BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What's going on, folks? Kerry Crowley here on the Baseball Insiders Podcast. They're fan-sided filling in for Mark Carmen this week. Joined, as always, by the man, the myth, the legend, Robert Murray. Robert, great to see you. Great to talk with you. Looking forward to this show. And uh, where, to, where to start today, man? So much happened last week in Major League Baseball. And uh, I know we'll get to the Tony La Russa stuff, the National League West race. But I'll let you start this off. What's going on today? Uh, not much, man. It's just great seeing your your very smiley, happy-go-lucky face. It is an absolute honor and pleasure to be here with you, my friend. So oh, honor let's make it happen. Be here with you. Yeah, absolutely. want to remind everyone that if you subscribe to the fan-sided YouTube page, uh, we are giving away a Shohei Otani jersey. So be sure to click that subscribe button, and we'll get underway right now. So much happened across Major League Baseball last week. We're going to get into potential uh, midsummer trades. We're going to get into the division races that are unfolding right now. But Bert, let's start in the National League Central, or excuse me, in the American League Central with Tony La Russa, the Chicago White Sox, and the decision last week to intentionally walk Trey Turner in a one-two count with Max Muncie coming up to the plate. And look, I know it's not Max Muncie of previous years. His stats have been down, but there were two strikes on Trey Turner. I don't care if Mike Trout or Shohei Otani's the plate. Two strikes, you got to go after him. No, you have to. I mean, two strikes and his numbers with two strikes are not very good at all, Kerry. And I mean, I don't care who the hitter is. You got to you got to attack. You cannot intentionally walk him. And that sends the wrong message to your clubhouse. And we have not seen things like we have not seen the clubhouse turn on La Russa, both privately or publicly. Um, but we've seen the fan base turn on him and we hear the fire Tony chants. And you have to know that like it. Jerry Reinsdorf hears that and. I don't think he's going to fire him midseason because Larusa is his guy. He felt bad about previously firing him um, all those years ago, so his leash is going to be long. But his seat, to me, has to be getting warmer. Um, I think it just has to be at this point. Well, and at the same time, I do wonder. You know that Jerry Reinsdorf is hearing those chants of "fire Tony" in the stands. You know that he can look out at the field and see that his team isn't performing up to expectations, but he can also look around the rest of Major League Baseball and see that the Philadelphia Phillies decided to fire Joe Girardi, replace him with Rob Thompson, and all of a sudden, look at the Phillies. They're a factor again. That has to be weighing in the mind of any club right now that's looking at making a change, right? No, absolutely. And, I mean, we've seen it with Joe Madden and the Angels, too, I mean, to a lesser degree or with less success. But, I mean, there's this this team is drastically underperforming. Like, they went into the season – 
with World Series aspirations. And with the amount of talent on that team, the fact that they're under 500 is unacceptable. Um, and yeah, if if it continues this way, maybe toward the later part, like right after the, the midway point, if they're still at this level, then maybe they consider making a change. Then that would make things very interesting. I wonder if it would end up providing a jolt to the clubhouse. Um, and I wonder, like, so let's say they end up firing LaRusso during the season or even after this year. That job, to me, immediately becomes the most attractive in baseball. Yes. And I think there would be a long list of candidates. And you can yeah. also say the same thing about the Phillies, too. Very attractive job. Yeah, absolutely. You look at the star power in Chicago. You look at the star power in Philadelphia. You feel like... You know, those are teams that have to find another gear, have to find another level. And that's why 162 game season is a marathon, not a sprint. But the slightest jolt that you can give to a clubhouse, the slightest sign of confidence you can give by saying, hey, look, we realize you're better. We realize we made a mistake in the front office or within the ownership group that the manager that we selected for this team wasn't right. If you rectify that in plenty of time, look what can happen. I mean, you go to New York right now with the Mets and what Buck Showalter has done. Uh, I think that, you know, that is a testament to new blood in the clubhouse can suddenly make players perform a little better. New voices in the clubhouse can help players find the tweaks that they need. And it's all about unlocking potential, hitting your stride at the right time. For so many teams right now, it's going to be about hitting that stride midsummer. So speaking of teams that are hitting their stride, there's three of them in the National League West that are playing really good baseball right now. Uh, The Dodgers, Padres tied in first place, but the Giants crawling back into the race after a weekend sweep over the Dodgers, who... Uh, look, L.A. is off to an amazing start by every account, 14 games over 500 by this juncture of the season. But you could probably still make the case that there's some potential to be unlocked there in Los Angeles after a 106-win season. Just, Bert, what are your impressions of this NLS race thus far? It is the juggernaut that I think everybody expected last year uh, because we have three teams, the Dodgers, the Padres, who even without Fernando Tatis Jr. are somehow tied atop the NL West. And then you have the Giants who are – what three and a half games back? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's the best division in baseball to me uh, by far, and it's scary how much better these teams can be. Because I mentioned Tatis Jr. He's about so actually so with Tatis, he had an MRI yesterday, and they were awaiting results to see if he could resume swinging. They expected those results last night, and we still have not heard how they have gone. So I'm wondering what's going on there. Um, then you have the Dodgers where Dave Roberts like publicly called out the offense and said, um, and this is not an exact quote, but he basically said that the offense is playing as individuals rather than as a, a unit. And they needed to fix that in order to reach their full potential. And I think he's exactly right. And if, if they are able to get that offense on track, carry, then uh, who competes with them in that division or in <laughs> baseball? Like, I mean, it's, they're freaky good. The Yankees. The Yankees are the one team that you could say, yeah, they, they've got yeah. the power, the offense, the lineup to to compete with them right now. So I, I think that that is, if you're looking for a American League comp for what the, the Dodgers could live up to potential-wise right now, uh, the yeah. Yankees, to me, are, are that team. But they've got another tough National League West race on their hands. Last year, we saw an epic one with the Giants winning 107, Dodgers winning 106, those two teams battling it out in the NLDS. And 
all of a sudden the Padres are relevant. You know, you mentioned that, look, Fernando Tatis hasn't hit the field yet, and maybe San Diego's lineup has struggled at times, but there was a point this season where Manny Machado was running away with the MVP race. He still very much could win that award, and his Padres pitching staff, in my opinion, has been better, and it's a lot deeper based on what A.J. Preller has done. No, and you're spot on with that, and it's actually made some people wonder um, privately if they could deal from that surplus um, at the deadline and try to improve their offense, which is in need of, of new life. And like the one that I've seen speculated on publicly is Blake Snell. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have like, it's not something that the Padres are eager to do. They'll listen because AJ Preller listens on everything. Um, but they're going to have to find ways to be better offensively. Tatis is going to help. I expect them to make some additions um, at the deadline, but I'll tell you that three team race, Carrie. Oh boy, get the old popcorn ready. Um, <laughs> and um, so, so Alex Rude made a comment here that I want to I want to answer real quick. And it was whether or he said the White Sox fans are not too fond of Rick Hahn either. Um, so with with Rick Hahn, uh, he is somebody who has made some good moves. He's made some bad moves. I mean, I think that can be said about every single lead executive in baseball. But the decision that I don't think he was able to make was the Tony La Russa hire. Um, that was a Jerry Reinsdorf call. And I reserve all judgment on on uh, Rick Hahn just because of that. And if he gets his own guy as manager, then we can start scrutinizing him a little bit more. But um, I think he may be getting too much blame here. Obviously, he put together that roster. But um, with the way that La Russa has done things recently, uh, leadoff position I know has been a topic of uh, discussion with White Sox fans. Uh, also, that Trey Turner intentional or the yeah the intentional walk of Trey Turner with two strikes. Um, That'll I mean, be a topic of discussion all season. We, oh God, yeah. we, we will remember that you know in July, in August, and September. Tony Larusa makes one more mistake. I mean, that's going to be fresh in the minds of everyone. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I mean, at this rate, he's making a new mistake almost every day or every week. It's it's Carrie. It's bad. We have La Russa there, and then you also you figure you go to San Francisco, where it's the exact opposite, where Gabe Kapler, basically ever since he's gone there, has done like everything right. I'm curious, because you covered the Giants for a few years. You're around that team a lot. Um, what are your impressions of them? Yeah, I think that over the last month or so, the Giants were underperforming relative to expectations. And expectations are different in San Francisco these days because there's been two months since Gabe Kapler was hired ahead of the 2020 season where the Giants were under 500. Outside of that, his first month in San Francisco, August 2020, during that truncated season, and last month, May of 2022, outside of that, the Giants have been an exceptional baseball club. Franchise record 107 wins last year. That dates back to 1883 when they were the New York Gothams. And look, I doubt anyone on this stream watched Gotham's baseball, but from what I hear, they were a pretty compelling team back in the day as well. So uh, I just think that you know Gabe Kapler has a tendency to push the right buttons, but it's not just that. It's that everyone in that organization is in sync from Farhan Zaidi, Scott Harris, Gabe Kapler, coaching staff, players, players, 
Uh, they, they've really got a circular buy-in process where players are giving feedback, coaches are giving feedback, Kapler, Farhan, Scott, all giving feedback to one another. And that's what's created a really healthy culture in San Francisco. So that's why they were able to kind of weather a storm, a difficult month, especially for the bullpen in the month of May, and kick things off in June here with the sweep of the Dodgers. If you recall last year, Giants were okay through April, okay through May. Not many people believed in them, but they lost a game in L.A., and then they won three in a row. And all of a sudden, you beat the Dodgers three times, you're a factor again. And that's exactly what happened over the weekend. Giants won again on Monday evening. So I think that's enough on the NL West race right now. One of the main reasons we're here today on the Baseball Insiders podcast, Berg, is to talk trades, talk under-the-radar MLB trade candidates, answer some fan questions about trades. And we've already got a few. Isaac uh, chiming in on the uh, stream here. He asked, uh, who have you heard connected with the Tampa Bay Rays? Jeff Passon reported the Rays are sneakily in on everyone right now. Is there anyone you see who could be a fit for the Tampa Bay Rays right now? Yeah, so with them, I would expect them to be involved for a high leverage reliever. I think they could use one of those for sure. Uh, another bat might make sense. I have not heard any names connected to them quite yet. But what I can tell you is that trade like discussions are um, are going on around the league right now like teams are figuring out what they need um and they're beginning those talks right now i'm not saying anything is imminent um but those conversations are now happening and it's also something that i think is really interesting carrie is that um we with the red sox doing what they're doing now where they're back in contention um that takes out a pretty big factor in the trade deadline and I'm wondering now if we're going to lack that star power at the deadline where the biggest piece is maybe Frankie Montas, who's moved. Yeah. Um, maybe the Mariners sell. I don't think the Angels are going to sell just because they want to win and they want to win now, um, even after firing Joe Madden. But, um, yeah, it's it could be a pretty dummy down trade deadline uh, if it continues this way. But the Rays are passing his right. He's – they're in on everybody. That's just what they do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of how they have to operate based on ownership's unwillingness to invest in the on-field product and, you know, kind of artificially setting a cap for themselves each year. Uh, if you're going to get better, you're likely going to do so at the trade deadline. That's going to be where uh, one of the best opportunities to do so on the cheap, relatively speaking, compared to free agency. Uh, you know, that deal they gave Wander Franco last year, that was atypical. I mean, it, it was the biggest deal in franchise history, and they'd really only given out one comparable deal, and that was to Evan Longoria back in, what, 2009 on a deal that is still Crazy. going for the San Francisco Giants right now. I think he's got a player option for 2023. So uh, a few other questions in the queue. Johnny has chimed in and asked, do you expect the Chicago Cubs to trade Kyle Hendricks or Marcus Stroman? Interesting situation there, particularly with the short-term deal that Stroman signed this offseason. Hendricks, of course, who kind of the pillar of that Cubs rotation, the anchor of that rotation for so long, uh, could he be on the move this summer? I, I don't, I'm not going to rule out either one. I think of the two that Kyle Hendricks is the most likely one. Uh, I think there's going to end up being a pretty strong market for a guy like that because after Frankie Montas, there's really not like that strong of like a pitching market. I know you have Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley um, and some others. Uh, Blackburn also with, uh, with the A's is emerging as a pretty sneaky trade candidate. Too. He could be their all-star this year. He could. It's Isn't that crazy to think about? Yeah, Journeyman like, reliever who's pitched, like, what, 30 games over seven seasons as a starter for the A's turns into their all-star. Kind of tells you about the state of that franchise right now. 
I'll tell you, I uh, I did not expect much from them coming into this year, and they have certainly lived up to that expectation. <laughs> Woof. Um, bad time to be an A's fan, but yeah, I, I feel bad for that fan base. That's yeah. that's a tough one. I think we both um, do. Yeah, it's uh, I forgot what the question was. Oh, actually, so with the Cubs. Um, so I have said on this podcast that I was 50-50 on whether or not Wilson Contreras would be traded. Um, I am going to bump those odds up. Uh, based on the intel that I've gathered over the last week or so. Um, I think him like settling before arbitration, uh, before going to a hearing, that doesn't move the needle on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Cubs are at the point now where they realize this could be pretty unlikely that they're going to extend him. And last year, they basically traded everybody and their mothers um, to try to re-bolster that farm system. And I think they're in a similar position now with Contreras. And you hear of a lot of different teams connected to him the Giants are the team that I think makes so much sense there. Yeah, obvious uh, fit, absolutely. Giants yeah, trade Joey Bart, get Wilson Contreras, everybody's happy. Yeah. Oh wait. So do you think they actually do trade Joey Bart? Is my- I think I think it's a much more realistic possibility right now than it ever was at last year's trade deadline. Wow. Hashtag carry bomb. No. <laughs> there we go. Boy, that's yeah. That uh, that sounds like a, a future drink or something. I don't know. But anyways. Um, but yeah, I, I think Contreras has definitely moved. Um, I, I I feel pretty confident in that. Just a matter of where. Um, but yeah, the Giants to me, I've said it on this pod for I think a year now that Giants make a lot of sense, especially wouldn't, with the Scott Harris. Shock, wouldn't shock me at all though if AJ Preller stepped in and made a bigger move because he's gone for catching depth in the past, and he knows that the trade deadline, if this starting pitching staff is going to live up to expectations, and so far it has. Uh, I think that you know you probably think about adding a Wilson Contreras to that mix if you're San Diego and AJ Preller. Uh, we got another question coming in here from the Planet One Nine One. What do you see the Toronto Blue Jays doing at the trade deadline, Bert? I know that uh, in some pre-show rumblings, you mentioned to me that you think the Blue Jays and the Kansas City Royals might match up on some trades. Uh, I'd love for you to explore that as you answer this question. Yeah, so that's actually where I was going to take this one. So shout out to Kerry for that, for, for being a good listener. Um, but yeah, like I, the Blue Jays, to me, they're going to be looking at a left-handed bat. Um, and I think the Royals provide that. And I know those. there's been some talk behind the scenes that those two match up really well in trade talks. Um, and I am under the impression that the Royals have, or um, the Blue Jays have some young arms that the Royals like. I don't have names on those, but... Um, yeah. Also, I, I like this upcoming question from uh, from Mustache. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like so that's going to be one that I watch. Um, but I, I would expect the Blue Jays to be pretty active um, in, in trade talks, and the Royals are going to just be one of the teams that they talk to. If you're expecting the Blue Jays to be active, where do you see their greatest needs right now? Yeah. So the Blue Jays, they're in a position now where I think they could try to address offense. I mean, I, I so. I, Basically everything that I've I've heard is left-handed bats for them, and that's something that I think they're going to end up targeting. Um, so I also wouldn't shock me if they targeted bullpen help, just because every team seemingly looks for bullpen help at the deadline. Um, but yeah, I think left-handed bat, especially with the Royals, is is pretty good. Also, yeah, yeah I think that was one of my one of my buddies back at home. Uh, putting that how much can you bench Robert question in there. So. There you go. G- glad go. that we got uh, how much can you bench. If you want to answer while I search for our next topic, go ahead. But uh, yeah, I have not, I have not worked out yet today, so I, I can't claim to have, yeah. have a good pump going. No, no, no accuracy there. So 
Uh, let's uh, let, let's move on and look at some other teams that could be in the trade market in, in terms of sellers. You look at the bottom teams in, in each division. And in the National League, it's the Colorado Rockies who convince themselves every year that they're going to be contenders. And I, I still can't fathom why Dick Monfort thinks that. Uh, in the NL Central, it's the, the Cincinnati Reds. You mentioned Tyler Malley, Luis Castillo. Those could be guys who are kind of the big ticket, high dollar items at the trade deadline where every team that's contending is in on those guys because of the potential that they bring to rotations. And then uh, you, you also see the Washington Nationals right now who are at a pretty interesting point. You know, there was the chatter in the month of April, maybe the beginning of May about Juan Soto. Obviously Juan Soto is not getting moved. It would have to take a godfather package. And even that probably wouldn't do it because if the Lerner family wants to sell the organization, Juan Soto is the best asset the Nationals have. That's just uh, basic finances. But the Nationals, they are a team that could be wheeling and dealing at the deadline. Uh, who do you see as potential players where – uh, they could be giving them up in return for prospects. Yeah, I think everybody who's under a one-year deal is fair game for them. And it starts with um, Nelson Cruz, and it also extends to Josh Bell. Those two are going to be their most coveted players. And I think Josh Bell might be the more coveted of the two, uh, just because Cruz has started off pretty uh, pretty weak. Um, or he's, he's had a slow start to the year, and Bell's been very good. But they also have a bunch of relievers who can really – um, probably end up drawing a lot of trade interest. I know Carl Edwards Jr., who they ended up signing to yeah. a minor league deal, has been very good for them. He's not going to fetch that much in a trade. Um, but well, like Lottery pick trades for teams that are in last place could be worth it, though. I think when you're talking about relievers, Carl Edwards Jr., you already kind of won the lottery by signing him to a minor league deal and, and well, having 100%. him work out. So you flip him for a prospect who maybe has a really high ceiling but a, a fairly low floor, and all of a sudden you get him in your player development system, you get him with your scouts and get him with your assistant coaches, maybe things work out for you. So, so I think that you're right on the one-year deal path. Uh, one yep. more question that I wanted to get to regarding these trades that CDOT just joined and asked about possible trade candidates for the San Diego Padres. We both kind of touched on the idea of potentially Wilson Contreras if the Chicago Cubs were going to deal him. Uh, any other areas of need you see the Padres looking to address, knowing that the offense uh, outside of Manny Machado hasn't necessarily lived up to expectations, even with Eric Hosmer's really hot start to the season? Yeah, totally. And I think outfield is the position that they're going to end up looking at because uh, Trent Grisham is really underwhelmed in center field, and there's not questions about whether or not he can be the guy there. Um, and you hear a lot of different chatter publicly, privately about Chad Pinder with the A's because that's a guy that the, that Bob Melvin loves. Kind of a right-handed jerks in Profar. I know that Profar is a switch hitter, but uh, yeah. you're not going to have the highest average ever. You're not going to have the highest OPS ever, but you are going to get professional at-bats, and he, he does play literally every position on the diamond. No, he most definitely does, and I can tell you as a fact that Bob Melvin loves that guy. Um, I've heard that. I kid you not. I feel like I've heard it once every week is how much that Bob Melvin loves him. Um, and also, Jerickson Profar is also a guy that AJ probably loves. So if he's a right-handed version of Jerickson Profar, then you have to think that AJ probably loves him too. So like that to me is going to be the guy who um, is very like on the radar for the Padres, but also for a lot of these other teams too. Because I know there's a lot of fans in him or of his throughout baseball. Yeah. So if you're looking at this trade deadline, you know we had mentioned that it may not have the you know big A-plus name on it right now because Xander Bogarts probably isn't getting dealt by a Boston Red Sox team that is kind of back into contention that uh, American League playoff race, the expanded postseason field after a really rough 
start to the season. They're kind of getting back and forth. Who do you see as maybe the the under the radar names right now who could get dealt at this year's deadline? Yeah. So the first one for me is Trey Mancini with with the Orioles. I think he's going to be somebody. Mr. Oriole right now. Yeah, which I'll tell you, I think that would end up angering a lot of different Orioles fans uh, if they end up moving him. But I think they're at the point now where they have to entertain it. Um, so I would, I, I think he might be like the number one most under the radar guy that could possibly be moved. Um, and you mentioned the Rockies too, Kerry, um, as a team that is going to sell. Um, I think Alex Colome, because these yes. teams are always looking for players who um, are, are going to end up upgrading their bullpen. And he's been very good for them this year. And he's really bolstered his, his trade stock this year. So I think he could end up being somebody who's moved. Uh, we've mentioned Wilson Contreras, uh, Nelson Cruz. Um, uh, what do you think? I'm curious what you think of this, Kerry. Do you think Luis Castillo is getting enough attention or do you think he's getting like the right amount? Because he's yeah. obviously got the injury concerns. Yeah, the injury concerns were probably the right amount. I, I don't know that, you know, when a team is looking at a Luis Castillo, they're expecting him to be the, the very best version of himself. But they also know that, you know, he's playing at the Great American Small Park. Uh, it's always been tough on pitchers. And you know, I don't care what the home and away splits are. That, that can get into your head mentally. And maybe Luis Castillo, he finds a winning situation. He finds a competitive ball club. Maybe he lives up to his potential a little bit more. To me, I, I also really like Tyler Malley. I, I think that you know, he's someone who get him out of Cincinnati and he may have a higher ceiling. Uh, there is one under the radar kind of trade candidate that I wanted to ask you about. You know, we've already touched on a few Oakland A's guys. And Frankie Montas, who might be the best starter dealt in terms of pure stuff at this yeah. deadline. We've already touched on Chad Pinder, how he could be a target for the San Diego Padres. Ramon Laureano, 80-game PED uh, suspension last August, didn't play the first month of this season because of that. The OPS isn't you know world-beating, but I look at some of the most impactful moves at last year's trade deadline. Alex Anthopoulos, Atlanta Braves general manager, added four different outfielders to his mix. Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, Eddie Rosario – all part of that mix, Adam Duvall, another one. Uh, yep. What about um, Ramon Laureano as kind of a fringy outfield, third, fourth outfielder guy who plays excellent defense, even though he's got the PED thing looming? I, I think teams might be willing to look past that right now because he does have a reasonable track record of performance, and the A's will be dealing at this deadline. No, most definitely. And that's actually like – I hadn't thought about him as a trade candidate, but like that's a good shot by you. And – so, you know, as teams win World Series, they're always trying – like other teams are trying to replicate the model that they took. And it would not surprise me if at least one or two teams try to follow a similar model uh, to what the Braves did last year. And Loriano would be a good low-cost option because of that PED suspension. I think teams are going to end up being – they're going to have some concerns about it, whether or not he's going to end up doing that again. But um, – I think there would be a very strong market there. And I think maybe the A's would be more willing to move him um, than they are Pinder because I know they they love Pinder. He's low cost. Loriano is too, don't get me wrong, but um, I just know how much they love Pinder. And so maybe they would prefer to move a guy like Loriano if they ended up going in that direction. But I think you're spot on with that. Yeah. Uh, another question coming in here on the stream as we kind of wrap things up here on the Baseball Insiders podcast with Fan Sided. Uh, when will the Cubs be good again, Robert? Oh, God. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a one hell of a question. I'm going to give me two or three years. What do you think? What do you think, Kerry? 
I've seen general managers and presidents of baseball operations turn things around faster, but the Cubs trade deadline sell-off last year took so much out of that organization. And I know that they got off to a decent start. And I know they've had some guys pop up over the last few years where whether it be Frank Schwindel getting off to a good start, Patrick Wisdom hitting a ton of home runs last year, uh, Morrell yeah. this year, there have been guys who have just kind of popped up in that Cubs farm system. And so that tells me that they've got good scouts. They've got good evaluators and, Maybe you get some higher level prospects in there. The performance is more sustainable, but I still say two or three more years for the Chicago Cubs. So uh, one more, just because I, I know that uh, there's a lot of Padres fans who've listened to this podcast in the past and uh, hopefully in the future as well. Uh, we got one from Jacob Bradley who was late to the stream, but he, he wanted to know about the dramatics surrounding the quote update on Fernando Tatis CT scan results. Uh, is that a reason for concern for you, Bert? It's I don't know how to view it because as as we mentioned earlier, Tatis had those those scans yesterday and they were expecting those results yesterday. At least last night they were, and we're twelve plus hours after that, and we still have not heard anything. Um, so the fact that we haven't heard anything, yeah, can that be taken as a concern? I think so, um, but I don't want to speculate on it because we don't have any answers on it quite yet. Um, but the Padres. I can tell you this from having plenty of conversations about it. They are going to be very, very, very careful with Fernando Tatis Jr. They do not want to rush him back. They want to make sure he's 100% before he starts swinging again, um, just because he is such an important piece for them. And you don't want to risk your $340 million superstar um, by rushing him back one or two weeks earlier. It just it doesn't make sense. But we'll have answers on this shortly, I would imagine. Um, but the fact that we have not heard anything is, uh, yeah, I, I would cause that. It's like a reason to wonder like what's going on. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. So uh, wrapping things up here on the Baseball Insiders podcast with Fansided. Uh, we really appreciate you tuning in and listening. And we will be here next, actually we'll be here on Thursday for the next episode of the Baseball Insiders. Um, please subscribe, by the way. It keeps food on my table and allows me and Carm and Carrie. Uh, to do this. But everybody have a great day. And thank you again for tuning in.